The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Why did you quarrel with Chosan? He would go into the hills above the city to meet Asteria. There they would violate our custom. Are you telling me that when your brother met with Asteria, they would remove their masks? Yes. Well, I felt it intolerable that a future leader of our people should behave in such a way. And on that terrible morning, we came to blows. After Shozan fell, he lay there, not moving. I thought he was dead, so I ran away. Had I the courage to remove his mask, I might have seen he was still alive and brought him help. But I couldn't bring myself to do it, so... Because of this wretched custom of hiding behind masks, I caused my brother's death. But now I see that a race of people blindly subservient to a custom is not a race of people at all, but a race of slaves. I'm sorry, Asteria. I shall never wear a mask again. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be you know, I'm looking at this intentionally insulting political cartoon that appeared in the London Free Press on August 5th. On the left side of the panel is a fat and dumb-looking kind of guy who's wearing a t-shirt with the words anti-mask on it. On the right side of the panel is a cartoon depiction of the coronavirus, pointing to the guy on the left and wearing a t-shirt with the words I'm with stupid on it. <laughs> well, so much for following the advice of our local mask czar, Dr. Chris Mackey, who strongly advised that given the many exceptions in his mandated masking orders, that people refrain from mask shaming those who are not wearing masks. Apparently that's a job for the media. The steady diet of what can only be characterized as outright COVID-19 lies from the mainstream media continues to poison the minds and spirits of those who are exposed to nothing else. And I say outright lies because merely referring to their narratives as misinformation or even disinformation gives them far too much credit. And the smoking gun in the room, the gun that proves that intentional murders are being committed in the name of COVID-19, is the very evidence that I have cited all along hydroxychloroquine, the verboten topic that we shall therefore talk about. Right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on channel 292 shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. Consider offering your financial support. Everyone who donates $25 or more gets a copy of the 52-page full-color publication, Climate Essentials. Now, you might recall that as I was winding down the show two weeks ago, I mentioned a group called America's Frontline Doctors, who held a press conference on Capitol Hill, which was censored by Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. I advised 
that everyone should watch it on whatever alternative platform it might be found. The conference confirmed the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine in the treatment of COVID-19 and in the prevention of contracting the SARS-CoV-2 virus in the first place. Their testimonies and observations, if widely known and understood, would bring down this entire house of COVID-19 cards. Clearly, this would be devastating news to every single politician and public health bureaucrat. No wonder it was taken down by their allies in social media. And no wonder the mainstream media has now joined the propaganda campaign against hydroxychloroquine and for forced masking regulations, social distancing, and all of the other irrational and outrageous dictates handed down to us by utter incompetence and evil people. Today I want to contrast what the mainstream media is telling us about hydroxychloroquine with what frontline doctors are telling us. And most importantly, I want to make sure that you hear for yourself what it is that our politicians, healthcare bureaucrats, and media propagandists do not want you to know. This first article, which appeared shortly after the press conference by frontline doctors, from August 4th, has a headline reading, False Theories Creating a Crisis. Social media spreading conspiracies, reads the subheading in an article written by Jillian Kessler Damour. And this is out of Montreal, and I quote, A lively crowd gathered outside Francois Legault's office in downtown Montreal in mid-July to send a message to the Quebec Premier. His government cannot force them to wear masks in indoor public spaces to fight the spread of COVID-19. Long live freedom without a mask, read one sign at the rally, which drew several dozen people. My body, my choice, read another, alongside a drawing of a medical mask with a line through it. The anti-mask movement is not unique to Quebec, nor are masks the only source of conflict in the country when it comes to public health directives around the novel coronavirus. But the issue is one of several at the heart of a growing online movement of disinformation around the COVID-19 pandemic in Canada. Researchers say conspiracy theories about COVID-19 are spreading at an alarming rate across the country, and they warn misinformation shared online may lead to devastating consequences and push Canadians to shun important safety measures. I think that people should be enormously concerned, said Angus Bridgman, a PhD candidate in political science at McGill University and co-author of a study published last month on COVID-19 misinformation and its impact on public health. The study found the more a person relies on social media to learn about COVID-19, the more likely they are to be exposed to misinformation and to believe it and to disregard physical distancing and other health guidelines. Another study in May at Carleton University indicated 46% of Canadians believed at least one of four unfounded COVID-19 theories. The virus was engineered in a Chinese lab. The virus is being spread to cover up the effects of 5G wireless technology. Drugs such as hydroxychloroquine can cure COVID-19 patients. Or rinsing your nose with a saline solution can protect you from infection. Bridgman said the speed at which these conspiracy theories circulate online makes it difficult to verify where they originate. And while some right-wing groups in Canada are pushing these falsehoods, Bridgman said people across the political spectrum are vulnerable to them. This is a challenge, he explained. People across levels of education, age groupings, political ideas are all susceptible to misinformation online. This is not a phenomenon unique to a particular community. 
Allison Meek, a history professor at Western University, said there are similarities between COVID-19 conspiracy theories and the anti-vaccination movement. She said conspiracy theories need to be countered with facts and evidence, adding that people should be encouraged to think critically about where they are getting their information. Both she and Bridgman lauded social media companies such as Twitter and Facebook for removing videos and other posts that spread misinformation about COVID-19, but both academics said more needs to be done. People are dying because of these conspiracy theories and we've got to stop them, Meek said, end quote. Wow. By the way, this past Saturday, there was a huge protest in Montreal, marching against the forced wearing of masks, with some reports going as high as 100,000 people. And in Germany, about half a million people marched in the streets protesting the same thing and the continuing lockdowns. So, false theories creating a crisis read the headline of the article I just shared. You know, like there was no crisis before the false theories arose. I would argue that the crisis was caused by a number of false theories all emanating from our politicians and bureaucrats. And this is a vile, contemptible piece of propaganda I just shared with you. It's devoid of disinformation, it's devoid of misinformation, and it's devoid of any kind of information that would address the very problem it pretends to be concerned with. It says nothing. It's just like a smear campaign. It's not an anti-mask movement, quote-unquote, never was. It's a pro-freedom movement, which is an entirely different phenomenon. Being forced to wear a mask is something that happens to violate our individual freedom. It's that simple. Over and over, this article uses phrases like a growing online movement of disinformation around the COVID-19 pandemic or conspiracy theories without ever identifying what it is about said information that makes it disinformation or that even makes it either a conspiracy or a theory. I mean, this is particularly applicable to the hydroxychloroquine issue. There's no conspiracy going on with regard to the various testimonies of epidemiologists, doctors, virologists, and others whose many voices have been heard quite independently of each other. They don't even know each other in many cases, but they all have independently arrived at the same conclusions about both hydroxychloroquine and about the real risks of wearing masks versus the assumed benefits. And what they all have to offer us is the direct benefit of their frontline experiences in whatever various differing fields they may have been engaged. I have yet to hear Fauci, Tam, and the rest of the tyrannical healthcare fascists convincingly refute anything that these supposed spreaders of misinformation have said. 46% of Canadians believe one of four unfounded theories, says the article. Well, to simply call the theories unfounded without any evidence to prove that they are unfounded is a consistency throughout every article trying to refute any of these frontline doctors. Unfounded? The virus was engineered in a Chinese lab. Well, perhaps not engineered, but certainly manipulated. This narrative didn't originate out of the blue, but from many official government reports and even such investigative media reports like those provided by the Epoch Times. Moreover, it is ultimately irrelevant to the current discussion where or how the virus manifested itself. Unfounded, the virus is being spread to cover up the effects of 5G wireless technology. Well, actually, I really haven't been that closely following the 5G wireless debate in this context, only with regard to the business and economic context in dealing with China and other trading partners. And I can't honestly comment on this issue other than to say 
<laughs> that if the National Post thinks it's unfounded, well, there has to be some kind of truth to it, don't you think? Whatever that is. Unfounded. Drugs such as hydroxychloroquine can cure COVID-19 patients. Well, this is one, of course, that we know to be absolutely true and have been presenting a steady stream of evidence on this show over the past several months to illustrate that truth, as we shall continue to do again today. Unfounded? Rinsing your nose with a saline solution can protect you from infection. <laughs> well, I have no idea whatever about this theory. But I'm actually tempted to agree that it doesn't really make any sense to me, other than having this theory tossed in to this list of unfounded assertions in order to hide the single one that they don't want people to know about because that would end the whole pandemic overnight, the hydroxychloroquine dilemma. And of the four-sided unfounded conspiracy theories, only hydroxychloroquine matters. And that makes me very suspicious of why they just tossed the rest in. This, notice this came out after a, a bunch of doctors talked about hydroxychloroquine, not about any of those other things. How interesting that they should point out that right-wing groups in Canada are pushing these falsehoods. There's a great irony in this, since what they are calling falsehoods are the truths. People across levels of education, age groupings, across political ideas are all susceptible to misinformation online, asserts a sentence in which we must assume that it's only misinformation to which people are susceptible. But here's the real fact. People across all levels of education, groupings, and etc., are mostly susceptible to the truth, especially when it constantly is being demonstrated to them both in theory and practice. Meek and Bridgman lauded social media companies such as Twitter and the rest for banning videos that spread misinformation and said more needs to be done. I mean, the censors are everywhere. Those incapable or unwilling to defend their own theories. When academics and people who are supposed to be objective in their thinking openly laud censorship, even if of falsehoods, they are being reprehensible and intolerant of those who disagree with them. Under what possible circumstance can it be justifiable to censor a scientific or medical theory? That defeats the whole purpose of even having scientific theories in the first place. And just what is it that they're all so afraid of that we might hear and actually believe? Well, hear it for yourself from the very press conference that was removed from so many social media platforms on the grounds of spreading misinformation, the first voice you will hear is that of Dr. Simone Gold as the lead speaker of Frontline Doctors. We're here because we feel as though the American people have not heard from all the expertise that's out there all across our country. So some of us decided to get together. We're America's frontline doctors. We're here only to help American patients and the American nation heal. This does not make sense. COVID-19 is a virus. There's treatment. That's what we're here to tell you. We're gonna talk about that this afternoon. You can find it on America's Frontline Doctors. There's many other sites that are streaming it live on Facebook. But we implore you to hear this because this message has been silenced. There are many thousands of physicians who have been silenced from telling the American people the good news about the situation, that we can manage the virus carefully and intelligently, but we cannot live with this spider web of fear that's constricting our country. So we're gonna hear now from various physicians and how we can get ourselves out of the cycle of fear. Dr. Hamilton. 
Thank you, Simone, and thank you all for being here today. I'm Dr. Bob Hamilton. I'm a pediatrician from Santa Monica, California. I've been in private practice there for 36 years. And today I have good news for you. The good news is that children, as a general rule, are taking this virus very, very well. I also want to say that children are not the drivers of, the, of this pandemic. People were worried about initially if children were going to actually be the ones to push the infection along. The very opposite is happening. Kids are being are tolerating it very well. They're not passing it on to their parents. They're not passing it on to their teachers. Dr. Mark Woolhouse from, uh, from Scotland, who is a pediatric infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist, said the following. He said, there has not been one documented case of COVID being transferred from a student to a teacher in the world. In the world. I think that is important that all of us who are here today realize that our kids are not really the ones who are driving the infection. It is being driven by older individuals. And yes, we can send the kids back to school, I think, without fear. I'm Dr. Stella Emanuel. I'm a primary care physician in Houston, Texas. You know, um, I actually uh, went to medical school in West Africa, Nigeria, where I took care of malaria patients, treated them with hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. So I'm actually used to these medications. I'm here because I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. Patients that have diabetes, patients that have high blood pressure, Patients that have um, asthma, old people, I think my oldest patient is 92, 87 year olds. And the result has been the same. I put them on hydroxychloroquine, I put them on zinc, I put them on Zitromax, and they are all well. For the past few months, I've taken care of over 350 patients. We've not lost one. Not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person. We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself my staff and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I, I came here to Washington DC to say America, nobody needs to die. The, 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 the study that made me start using hydroxychloroquine was a study that they did in under the NIH in 2005, that say it works. Recently, I was doing some research about a patient that had hiccups, and I found out that they even did a recent study in the NIH, which is our national institute, um, that is the, the national, NIH, national Institute of, of Health. They actually had a study, I'm gonna look it up, type hiccups and COVID, you will see it. They treated a patient that had hiccups with hydroxychloroquine, and it proved that COVID is a symptom of, hydrox of, of uh, hiccups, it's a symptom of, of COVID. So if the NIH knows that treating the patient with hydroxychloroquine proves that hiccup is a symptom of COVID, then they definitely know that hydroxychloroquine works. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in, I see diabetics sit in my office knowing that this is a death sentence and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay, you're going to leave. And we treat them and they leave. 
none has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes out and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work, I can tell you categorically it's fake science. I want to know who is sponsoring that study. I want to know who is behind it. Because there is no way I can treat 350 patients and counting and nobody is dead and they all did better. And then you're going to tell me that you treated 20 people, 40 people and, and it didn't work. I'm a true testimony. So I came here to Washington, D.C., to tell America, nobody needs to get sick. This virus has a cure. It is called hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and zitromax. I know you people want to talk about masks. Hello? You don't need masks. There is a cure. I know they don't want to open schools. No, you don't need to, people to be locked down. There is prevention and there is a cure. And let me tell you something. All you fake doctors out there that tell me, oh yeah, I want a double-blinded studies. I just tell you, quit sounding like a computer, double-blinded, double-blinded. Is you? I don't know whether your chips are malfunctioning, but I'm a real doctor. I have radiologists, we have plastic surgeons, we have neurosurgeons like Sanjay Gupta saying, oh yeah, it doesn't work and it causes heart disease. Let me ask you, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, hear me. Have you ever seen a COVID patient? Have you ever treated anybody with hydroxychloroquine and they died from heart disease? When you do, come and talk to me. Because I sit down in my clinic every day and I see these patients walk in every day, scared to, scared to death. I see people driving two, three hours to my clinic because some ER doctor is scared of the Texas board or they are scared of something and they will not prescribe medication to these people. I tell all of you doctors that are sitting down and watching Americans die. You're like the good Nazi, the good what? The good Germans that watch Jews get killed and you do not speak up. If they come after me, they threaten me. They've threatened to, I mean, I've gotten all kinds of threats. Oh, they're going to report me to the boards. They're going to, I say, you know what, I don't care. I'm not going to let Americans die. And if this is the mountain, if this is the hill where I get nailed on, I will get nailed on it. I don't care. You can report me to the boards. You can kill me. You can do whatever. But I'm not going to let Americans die. And today I'm here to say it, that America, there is a cure for COVID. All this foolishness, it's not, does not need to happen. There is a cure for COVID. There is a cure for COVID. It's called hydroxychloroquine. It's called zinc. It's called Zitromax. And it is time for the grassroots to wake up and say, no, we're not going to take this any longer. We're not going to die. Because let me tell you something. When somebody is dead, they are dead. They're not coming back tomorrow to have an argument. They're not coming back tomorrow to discuss the double-blinded study and the data. All of you doctors that are waiting for data, if six months down the line you actually found out that this data shows that this medication works, how about your patients that have died? You want a double-blinded study? When people are dying, it's unethical. So, guys, we don't need to die. There is a cure for COVID. Oh my God. Dr. Emmanuel, also known as Warrior. Uh, before I introduce the next guest, I just want to say that I wish all doctors that are listening to this bring that kind of passion to their patients. And the study that Dr. Emanuel was referring to is in virology, which talks about a SARS a viral epidemic that affects the lungs that came from China. And they didn't know what would work. The study showed that chloroquine would work. It sounds exactly like it could have been written three months ago. But in fact, that study in virology which was published by the NIH, the National Institute of Health, when Dr. Anthony Fauci was the director. Again, the official publication of the NIH, Virology, 15 years ago showed that chloroquine, we use hydroxychloroquine, it's the same, a little safer, works 
They proved this 15 years ago when we got this novel coronavirus, which is not that novel. It's 78% similar to the prior version, the COVID-1. Not surprisingly, it works. Did anybody hear anything in the testimonies of these doctors that so desperately need censoring and public shaming and ridicule? Everything we just heard is completely consistent with the independent testimonies of hundreds and thousands of doctors all around the world, but not with the agenda of lockdowns and psychological torture being foisted upon us. This message has been silenced, laments Dr. Gold. Well, not on this show it won't be, and I personally consider it part of my absolute duty and responsibility to share and spread her message and that of the many, many other healthcare professionals on the front lines. And we'll be getting back to that message momentarily. But first, one thing I noticed throughout the entire media conference by the frontline doctors was this. Never once did the issue of a vaccine come up. In Dr. Gold's opening remarks, she said that this makes no sense. After all, there's treatment for COVID-19. And she's quite right. If the goal is to keep people from dying because of COVID-19, then the agenda being followed by our governments makes no sense at all. It is a killing agenda. Has been since the start. Because all the emphasis has been on letting the public die while waiting for some kind of magic vaccine to be developed. And once you take that unnecessary and wasteful agenda into account, then everything makes sense. Now, I received this chilling text message from the government of Canada on my smartphone on August 1st, and I quote, This is a message from the government of Canada. Help protect yourself and your community. Download the COVID Alert app for free to help stop the spread of the virus. The COVID Alert app lets users know if they may have been exposed to COVID-19. Available now at the App Store and Google Play, etc., etc. End quote. And on the same day, in the Canadian Pravda Media, meaning the National Post, headline on August 1st reads, Ottawa launches COVID-19 app, written by the Canadian Press. Quote, Canadians can now begin downloading a voluntary smartphone app meant to warn users that they've been near someone who tests positive for COVID-19. Health experts say that if enough people sign up, this app can help prevent future outbreaks of COVID-19 in Canada, Trudeau said in Ottawa during a visit to the Public Health Agency of Canada. I want to be clear, this app isn't mandatory. It's completely voluntary to download and to use. Trudeau said, and it doesn't collect your name, address, geolocation, or other personal information. The app works with key codes distributed by Ontario public health officials, government officials said. Because a positive test result is reported to the app by the user, rather than the public health officials, the government characterized the app's use as voluntary. The voluntary nature of the app raised questions about whether it will be in widespread adoption, since officials said it is a prerequisite for the app to be installed by both the person who contracted COVID-19 and those who wish to be notified, end quote. Well, that last sentence is the one to note, isn't it? It's pretty much an admission that the quote-unquote voluntary nature of the app makes it essentially useless. And of course, the way to fix that problem is to make the app mandatory as has already been done in some other countries, with nightmarish results, I must say. Health experts say that if enough people sign up, this app can help prevent future outbreaks, Trudeau said. 
Well, if the government can use the excuse of preventing future outbreaks as reason enough to shut down our businesses, our churches, our social events, and to force us to wear harmful masks as a means of identifying those who are most willing to comply, then why wouldn't that same government force people to have both a smartphone and a tracking app on them at all times? It would be perfectly consistent with all the rest of their tyranny. Don't kid yourself. This is not about COVID-19 or any diseases. This is a political action being taken by governments around the world. Only 4% of Canadians downloaded the app by the end of the first week of the release, according to an August 7th report by Anthony Fury on True North. Now, of course, all this talk and planning for COVID-19 tracking, tracing, and vaccinations is a completely irrelevant and unnecessary discussion to have in light of the reason and knowledge brought to us by the frontline doctors and so many others who do themselves have extraordinary expertise on these matters. Which again, is why the mainstream fake news media is doing everything it can to censor and shame those who are doing nothing more than sharing their own personal medical experiences and that of thousands of other doctors. Experiences and data that completely contradict the official narratives across the board. Now here's more of the press conference that our leaders and health officials do not want you to hear. Are there any questions? Who are you guys? We are so excited. Well, I'm from South Dakota. So glad you guys are preaching this message. You know, South Dakota did something interesting. It's interesting that you're from there. So the governor did not restrict access to hydroxychloroquine. We know. We took right. a lot of flack for that. Right. And you were, I, I believe you were the only state in the union that did that. And um, there's been studies out there that attempt to show that it doesn't work. They're inaccurate because they're given at the wrong time, the wrong dose, the wrong patient, either too much or at the long time. So South Dakota did better because it had access to hydroxychloroquine. Thank you so much. Okay, so if we, someone we love does get sick with COVID and you said the, word, the, the hydrochloroquine or whatever you have to say it is restricted, how do we get access to that? That's the number one question we're all asked every day. I want you to know that you're not alone. I've had many congressmen ask me, how can I get it? So the congressman can't get it. It's tough luck for the average American Joe getting it. It's very difficult. You have to overcome a few hurdles. Your doctor has to have read the science with a critical eye and have eliminated the junk science. Many studies have been retracted, as you know. And number two, the pharmacist has to not restrict it. Many states have empowered their pharmacists to not honor physician prescription. That's never happened before. That interference with the doctor-patient relationship, where the patient talks to the doctor honestly and the doctor answers the patient honestly, has been violated. So you have a very difficult time as the average American. Some of the information we'll share later this afternoon is to show the mortality rates in countries where it's not restricted and the mortality rates where it is restricted. So I have friends all over the world now because of this. And in Indonesia, you can just buy it over the counter. It's in the vitamin section. And I'm here to tell the American people that you can buy it over the counter in Iran because the leaders in Iran, the mullahs in Iran, think that they should have more freedom than Americans. I have a problem with that. My, my colleagues have problems with that. We don't like to watch patients die. I wanted to ask, how, how do people trust the data that they're looking at every day? The numbers are so variable, whether you go to Johns Hopkins, CDC, which divides COVID deaths in different categories, you know, whether yeah. it's related to pneumonia, other things. So how do, how do we get the right information to make decisions? So the only number that I think is worth paying any attention to, and even that number is not so helpful, but is mortality, because that's a hard and fast number. So the case number is almost irrelevant. And that's because there's a lot of inaccuracies with the testing. 
And also, even if the test is accurate, most people are asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. So it's not that important to know. So the case number, which you see rising all the time in the news, is basically irrelevant. And if you had told us a few months ago that that was the number that the media was going to go crazy over, we all would have just laughed at that. I mean, that's essentially herd immunity. There's lots of people out there who have tested positive without symptoms or with very mild symptoms. So the only number that's worth paying attention to is mortality. When you look at the mortality, this is a disease that takes that unfortunately kills our most frail members of society. People with multiple comorbid conditions, specifically diabetes, obesity, is a big one. We don't talk about that, but it is. It's a fact. Um, coronary artery disease, severe coronary artery disease, people like that. And also, if you're older, it's a risk factor. But the biggest risk factor is if you have comorbid conditions. If you're young and healthy, this is not you're going to recover. If you're under 60 with no comorbid conditions, it's less deadly than influenza. This seems to come as great news to Americans because this is not what you're being told. Um, I would say the answer is it's very difficult to get accurate numbers. <laughs> if you, uh, this is Matt Purdy of Breitbart News, if you had a message to Dr. Anthony Fauci, what would you say to him? Listen to the doctors. We, Listen to the frontline yeah. doctors. Have a meeting with the frontline doctors. And maybe I need to say that into the microphone. My message to Dr. Anthony Fauci is to have a meeting with these frontline doctors who are seeing real patients. They're touching human skin. They're looking people in the eye. They're diagnosing them and they're helping them beat the virus. They're the ones who are talking to the patients. Have meetings with them and do it every single day and find out what they are learning about the virus firsthand. And this is, and it's important to understand, we have doctors here who are not emergency room doctors. They're preventing doctor, preventing patients from even hitting the emergency room. So if they're only listening to emergency room or ICU at the very tragic end of a person's life, they're, they're not getting the full story. They need to come back and hear the earlier, the earlier portion, and they also need to understand what the lockdowns and the fears are doing to, to patients around this country because there are a lot of unintended consequences which the doctors can speak about. My message to Dr. Anthony Fauci is, when is the last time you put a stethoscope on a patient? That when you start seeing patients, like we see on a daily basis, you will understand the frustration that we feel. And you need to start feeling for American people like we the frontline doctors feel. And you need to start re realizing that they are listening to you. And if they are going to listen to you, you got to give them a message of hope. You got to give them a message that goes with what you already know, that hydroxychloroquine works. Dr. Emanuel, uh, you mentioned before some uh, remarkable results that you've had uh, treating your own patients. You said, I believe, over 300 patients. Yes. Yes, sir. Have you been able to publish your findings and results from those We're working on publishing it right now. We're working on that. But this is what I'll say. People like doctors tell me all the time, publish the data. And my question is, and that will make you see patients? There's enough data around the world. Yes, my data will come out. When that comes out, that's great. But right now, people are dying. So my data is not important for you to see patients. I'm saying that to my colleagues out there that talk about data, data, data. And if I can ask one more question. May sure. I just interject? There is a lot, There's of, a lot of data, data out there. on this. Not every clinician needs to publish their the data, data to yes. be taken seriously. The media has not covered it. 
There is a ton. I've got a compendium on America's Frontline doctors.com. Yep. There is a compendium of all the studies that work with hydroxychloroquine. The mortality rate was published in Detroit less mm -hmm. than a month. It was July 4th weekend. They published it. Mortality by half in the, in the critically ill patients. Mm -hmm. The patients who um, are getting early, it's been estimated that one half to three quarters of those patients wouldn't be dead. We're talking 70,000 to 105, uh, 70 to 100,000 patients would still be alive if, if we had followed this policy. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of published data. I'm sorry Even that with it's Dr. Not Rich. Out there. Dr. Rich published data recently, so there's a lot of data out there. They don't need mine to make those decisions. Well, hydroxychloroquine, yeah. I mean, that can be done. Yes, that can be used. Yeah, really quickly. Okay. Um, you want to? Okay, we're talking about uh, we can't open our businesses. We can't go to school, and parents are scared to get treated. And I personally have put over a hundred people on hydroxychloroquine prophylaxis. Doctors, teachers, people, uh, healthcare workers, my staff, me. I see over 15 to 20, sometimes 20, 15, 10 patients a day. I use a surgical mask. I've not been infected. Nobody I know has been infected. That's around me. So this is the answer to this question. You want to open schools? Everybody get on hydroxychloroquine. That is the prevention for COVID. One tablet every other week is good enough. And that is what we need to get across to the American people. There's prevention and there is cure. We don't have to lock down schools. We don't have to lock down our businesses. There's prevention and there is cure. So instead of talking about masks, instead of talking about lockdowns, instead of talking about all these things, put our teachers on hydroxychloroquine. Put those that are high risk on hydroxychloroquine. Those that want it. If you want to catch COVID, that's cool. But you should be given the right to take it and be prevented. So that's the message. We don't, all this stuff that we're putting together is not necessary because hydroxychloroquine has a prevention. It's called, hydroxychloroquine is a prevention for COVID. Earlier I heard you say that hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, that that drug was the, was the um, cure, sure. but mm -hmm. you also said measured with zinc and, and other things. Yes. You guys also said that previous doctors have used it, but they've used it in the wrong dosage. So I keep hearing the, the drug, but then what is the right dosage? What is the right That you, what is the right mixture? Yeah. yeah, that you're going to discuss with your, that's you're going to discuss with your doctor, but let me yeah, let Dr. Ozo take that. Yeah, it's a, that's a great question because the fear of this drug has driven the, the, uh, the, the, the whole political situation has driven the fear towards this drug. So let's address that. This drug is super safe. It's safer than aspirin, Motrin, Tylenol. It's super safe, all right? So what the problem is in a lot of those studies, they did very, very high doses, massive doses. All through the country, uh, they did the REMAP study, the solidarity trial. Uh, that was the World Health Organization trial and also the recovery trial. They used 2,400 milligrams in the first day. All you need is 200 twice a week for prophylaxis. They used massive toxic doses. And guess what they found out? When you use massive toxic doses, you get toxic results. The drug doesn't work when you give toxic doses. Okay? There are very, it's a very safe drug. It concentrates in the lungs. 200 to 700 times higher in the lungs. It's an amazing drug because in the bloodstream, you're not going to get high levels, but you get massive levels in the lungs. So you're going to find yourself, if you're prophylaxed, as soon as the virus gets there, it's going to have a hard time getting through because the, the hydroxychloroquine blocks it from getting in. And then once it gets in, it won't let the virus, it won't let it actually replicate. It actually, actually bring in zinc and zinc will 
mess up the copy machine called the RDRP. So with, with the combination of drugs, it's incredibly effective in the early disease. By itself, it's incredibly effective as a prophylaxis. So I hope that, does that answer the question? Yeah, I, this is a treatment regimen that's very simple and it should be in the hands of the American people. The difficult aspect of this is that at the moment, because of politics, it's being blocked from doctors prescribing it and it's being blocked from pharmacists releasing it. They've been empowered to overrule the doctor's opinion. Why is this not over the counter as you can get it in much of the world, in almost all of Latin America, in Iran, in Indonesia, in Sub-Saharan Africa? You can just go and buy it yourself. And the dose, my friends, is 200 milligrams twice in a week and zinc daily. That's the dose. I'm in favor of it being over-the-counter. Over Give it to the people. Give it to the people. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And what we just heard was a series of frontline witnesses to a crime of unprecedented proportion. The willful and intentional denial of an effective treatment for a potentially deadly disease by politicians just about everywhere. Can there be any doubt as to why these witnesses have to be suppressed? The people doing all the suppression are the murderers themselves. Hello? Just think of the implications of all of this. If even one word of what these doctors have said is true, it is absolutely staggering. Does anybody really think that after having heard these doctors that they would have been better off for not having been allowed to hear them? Would that make you feel more secure? I don't trust a politician or a mainstream media person anywhere. You know, ironically, one of the doctors at the press conference complimented Twitter for being one of the only social media platforms still letting him share his information. Yet even before the news conference wrapped up, Twitter, along with the usual crowd of Facebook and YouTube, etc., had already taken down access to the conference. And even worse, apparently Twitter has now blocked all links to BitChute, the alternative online platform to the censorious platforms of the left. So as you can see, for the left, the science is settled on all of this. Settled by the politicians. Just like climate change. And as I said, they are changing the climate, but not the weather one, the political one. I've been saying that for 20 years. Now I want to thank listener Andrew B. for passing on a link to the following article that appeared in both the Globe and Mail and in Toronto City News way back in 2015. And the headline reads, Union says Ontario nurses can't be forced to wear masks in flu season. And this appeared on September 10th in 2015, and I quote, The Ontario Nurses Association says hospitals will no longer be allowed to shame healthcare workers into getting a flu shot following an arbitrator's ruling striking down a vaccinate or mask policy. About 30 Ontario hospitals implemented the policy, which forces nurses and other hospital workers to wear an unfitted surgical mask for the entire flu season if they do not get the influenza vaccine, ONA President Linda Haslam-Stroud said Thursday. The test case was against a Sioux area hospital in Sault Ste. Marie, which tried to use the policy to boost their staff immunization rates, added Haslam-Stroud. They were basically coercing and shaming nurses into getting the influenza vaccine if they individually chose not to take it, she said. They made them all wear masks, and they had little stickers on their name tag that everybody knew meant, I don't have my vaccine. 
The policy made private medical information public because everyone could tell who had been vaccinated and who had not, said Dr. Michael Gardam, Director of Infection Prevention and Control at the University Health Network and Women's College Hospital in Toronto. Essentially, they are outing you because your personal health information, whether you get vaccinated or not, is now public knowledge because you're forced to wear a mask, said Gardam. People know who you are. Arbitrator Jim Hayes found the vaccinate or mask policy was unreasonable and a coercive tool to force healthcare workers to get the flu shot. Experts testified that it was illogical to force healthy nurses to wear masks, and Hayes concluded the masks were not protecting patients or nurses from the flu. The sad part about it is, it was giving our patients a false sense of security, and we knew that, said Haslam Stroud. The influenza vaccine is only about 40 to 60 percent effective even in good years, said Gardam, which means all hospital workers should wear masks all the time if they were actually effective at preventing the spread of flu. So the only way you can really explain that argument is to say, well, it's not really that the masks are working, he said. It's because the masks are a way of driving you towards vaccination. The policy was symbolic rather than a scientifically-based tool in the fight against influenza and amounted to a draconian shaking of the finger at nurses, said Haslam Stroud, end quote. Did you hear that? Mask wearing is symbolic rather than being a scientifically-based prevention of influenza. And they've known this all along. They knew it five years ago. They knew it ten years ago. They knew it twenty years ago. They know it today, except for the public. public apparently doesn't know it. And as if being censored and having your viewpoints about your own experiences and expertise suppressed from public view wasn't enough, Dr. Simone Gold, the leading voice of the frontline doctors, was summarily fired by her employers for having spoken out. On the side of her upcoming bumper, here's Glenn Beck from his own August 3rd conversation with Dr. Gold, while on the return side of the bumper, we'll be hearing from Bill Gates himself as to why he thinks that everything you've been hearing so far is quote-unquote nutty stuff. Seriously. Uh, We found out Friday morning that she had just been fired uh, from her job in the emergency room in an L.A. hospital. Welcome, Dr. Simone Gold. How are you? Good morning, Glenn Beck. So, Dr. Gold, tell me what happened when you got home with the hospital that you were working at. What did they say to you? Uh, Most emergency physicians work at more than one place, and I do, and I've actually been fired from both. Um, And it's exciting, fun times living in America in 2020. Uh, They told me that I appeared in an embarrassing video, and therefore I would no longer be welcome to work there. I, I said to them, you really ought to place me on administrative leave till the whole thing quiets down and things will go back to normal. Not only do they decline that, okay, they said that if I didn't go quietly into the good night, they would pull the contract for the, the whole group of doctors. Wait, 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 wait. You mean they, they would, any doctor that stood with you, how, how would they do that? Stand with me. That Right, so emergency doctors work... Um, like as a group for hospitals. So the group is always vulnerable to losing the contract with the hospital. The hospital has said to the group, if she doesn't go, we're going to pull the contract from the group. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really terrible. It's just really, it, I mean, it's just really terrible. They didn't even object to what I was doing. 
they objected to some other people in the video. Then they said that if I don't go quietly and I make a fuss, then they're going to have all the doctors in the group, you know, have to go. Like they'll just get a whole new doctor group as if it's so easy, which it's not. Do you care to say the hospital's name? Nope, I don't. And the reason is not only do I want to protect my friends, um, I don't think it's unique. I think this could have been any hospital USA. Wow. So it's a good thing that you hired a really good attorney last week before this happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I want to tell you that a lot of people have said, how am I doing? And I said, you know what? This is fine. Bring it on. You know, I want to continue to live in America. I want my children to continue to live in America. I don't want them to grow up in a place that's like China. When you're getting to the point that you, not only that I can't speak as a scientist, as a doctor, for what I know to be absolutely true, you then want to cancel me. You want to cancel my colleagues. This is not okay. I'd much rather fight than not fight. So for everybody who's wondering how I am, I'm doing just fine. And I want everybody to know that there are literally millions and millions of Americans who are on our side. Millions. I believe it's the majority. So why is this happening, Simone? That's the one thing I can't get my arms around. Why, why is this happening? I'll tell you that I think that in any group of people, you'll have the people that will always work and always be productive, some people that will never work and never be productive. You have a lot of people in the middle who could be persuaded to go on one side or the other. And I think the left is determining, they're taking that middle group and kind of putting them in the group that is encouraging them to become government dependent. Right? Because there's a lot of people in the middle who are like, well, yeah, it's not so bad. I'll just you know, hang out here, not earn that much, but I'm, you know, I'm okay, right? So they're taking that middle group and making them comfortable with the dependency state. I don't have a better answer. That's truly frightening. As a physician, I I resent it. Sorry. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? I resent it because you're, 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 not only are you hurting people's physical health, that's for sure. You know, when you're not as wealthy people, you're not as healthy people and you miss all kinds of problems, but also it makes people very unhappy not to be productive. It's a requirement of the human condition. I didn't say you have to have paid work, but you must be productive. All the time in the emergency department, I see young, especially men, young men, I work in inner cities a lot, who don't have a particular goal in life, and they're quite miserable at their core. But the young men especially flail, flail in life. If they're not working, they don't have a job, and they're 21 years old, they're not happy. And they're 25 years old, and they're 28 years old, and it's kind of over for them. And that's what we're doing to a whole generation. I can speak to that very much, very strongly as an emergency physician. These conspiracy theories, there's the there, and you're the subject of them. That you've used this. A pandemic to uh, attempt to implant tracking devices in people. Does it bother you that this stuff is out there, particularly when you're working so hard to eradicate COVID-19? Well, certainly they, it looks like conspiracy theories, you know, they, they're so, these lies travel faster than the truth, uh, you know, particularly in the age of social media. The fact that our foundation is involved in vaccines and it has to do with saving lives, that's true. They just invert it to say that somehow, you know, we're we're not trying to save lives. Uh, you know, our, instead of giving money, we're trying to make money. And, you know, that's, it's unfortunate, 
particularly if it means people are reluctant to take the vaccine, if it means they don't trust this message about face masks uh, because they think that people giving them advice are, uh, you know, corrupt in some way. I mean, the two most attacked people in this phase have been myself and Dr. Fauci. And, you know, Dr. Fauci's just telling us the truth. Uh, you know, some days he's allowed to tell the truth. Some days uh, he doesn't get contradicted, uh, you know, by his leadership. So it, it, this is a communications exercise. And so far, uh, the U.S. doesn't get a, a very high grade. And that could mean uh, that, you know, seeking out therapies or willingness to use the vaccine will make this disease last longer. I mean, you're seeing this stuff on social media just this week. There's a video by people who are purportedly doctors saying that you shouldn't wear masks and uh, suggesting you use hydroxychloroquine. Um, and it got just tons of views on Facebook and YouTube. Should these companies be taken to task for that? I mean, should, and should they continue, for instance, to get protection by Section 230? Yeah, the changing 230, I'm, I don't think people have thought through what that leads to. Uh, but Are you against uh, that then? Well, the idea of trying to create liability for any untrue thing, uh, you know, you have to decide, would, would you still be able to have that type of forum? Uh, in terms of this outrageous you know, uh, hydroxychloroquine anti-mask thing, it got, it spread so fast that even though eventually the uh, social media people stopped it, it was so famous that now people are still seeking it out. And, you know, so they, their ability to stop things before they become widespread, uh, I think they, they probably should improve that. I don't think it's easy because it spread so quickly. I mean, that thing uh, was fairly new and now we have 14 million views and uh, you can't find it directly on those services, but everybody's sending the link around because it's still out there on the internet. And that one is, I mean, this hydroxychloroquine thing, this is nutty stuff. I mean, we're we're supposed to be a developed country that you know, use this science. Oh my God. It's, uh, I, it's, it is really hard to believe that that's what's being retweeted. That was Bill Gates in conversation with Yahoo Finance editor Andy Serwer on July 29th, two days after the frontline doctors held their press conference. And if this is such nutty stuff, then it should be beyond simplicity to refute it. Yet instead, Gates opts for even more censorship. I'd like to hear Gates explain why the 350 COVID-19 patients treated completely successfully with hydroxychloroquine is nutty stuff, quote-unquote. I mean, there's an intellectual and open response, eh? Gates would lose that confrontation in a split second, and he knows it. Lies travel faster than the truth, he says, while offering no truths himself. They think that people giving them advice are corrupt in some ways, says Gates. What? Advice? No, 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 they're not giving advice. They're giving orders, and they're fining and threatening to jail people for failing to comply. You call that advice? 
And yes, the use of coercion and force are indeed corrupt, to the core. And of course, it's unfortunate, particularly if it means people are reluctant to take the vaccine, says Gates. Well, personally, I have zero plans to voluntarily take any such vaccine. And yet, even so, this from the Daily Telegraph on August 4th, 2020, headline reads, No Silver Bullet for Virus. Again, remember, this is only days after the Frontline Doctors' Conference. There might never be a silver bullet treatment for coronavirus, the Director General of the World Health Organization said. Dr. Tedros Adnam Ghebreyesus said there's no silver bullet at the moment, and there might never be. By wearing a mask, he says, you're sending a powerful message to those around you that we're all in this together. See, there it is again basically an admission that wearing a mask is not about stopping the spread of any virus, but of sending messages and shaming those who refuse to be in this together, quote-unquote. Pure collectivism. Dr. Anthony Fauci on Monday said states with high coronavirus case counts should reconsider imposing lockdown restrictions, emphasizing the need to get cases to a low baseline before the fall flu season, I tell you. And on and on it will go until enough people say, stop. You know, I've lately come to regard our past several months of broadcasts no longer just as a source of information and commentary or discussion. I see them as weapons of war, as ideas that need to be circulated to as many people as possible, particularly to those blinded and kept ignorant by the fake news narratives of the mainstream media and by the constant banning and censoring of what is real and true. This is really a war, and it begins with information. So as we wrap up today, let me remind you that this show is not called Just Right because of some Goldilocks principle, even if applicable. I am pleased to report that since the very beginning of the whole COVID-19 pandemic, we've been batting a thousand with our own reports and commentaries. Everything is still valid and as accurate as the first day we reported, and it represents a cohesive record of events from the beginning of this crisis to today's political continuation of the crisis. So if any of what you've been hearing today matters to you, be sure to do your part by sharing this and other past broadcasts of the show and by helping as many people as you can learn and know what so many frontline doctors and their patients are saying about solutions to this sinister pandemic called COVID-19. And of course, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. To black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be but this one is the most intriguing of all. According to her notes, this is the viral strain Felicitas populi, commonly known as luck. Luck is a virus. A positive virus which most humans contract at some point in their lives for very short periods. And here it is. Lady Luck in liquid form. Want to try some? Is it safe? absolutely harmless. Even so, this is a minute dose and will only last for about three minutes. Now, I want you to pick out all the aces from this pack of cards. Shuffle them? Mm-hmm. Thirteen to one. Two hundred and twenty-one to one. 
5,525 to 1. 270,725 to 1. Sir, I want you to throw this dart over here into that bullseye behind you using your left hand without looking. What? Using my left hand? Mm-hmm. Into the bullseye? Mm-hmm. Without looking? Mm-hmm. No chance. Trust me, sir. You ready? Mm-hmm. Huh. I think that indicates the luck virus is born off. 